Hello, and welcome to episode 131 of the Speak Up podcast with Laura Camacho, where we talk about all things related to conversations, the conversations that you need to have in order to move forward with your career. Although today it's a special day because we have someone who not only helps with professional conversations, but she also deals with intimate or personal relationships. So you might get some expertise in that area. So Deborah Roberts is joining us from New York, and she's the author of a book called The Relationship Protocol. And she's a speaker. She has several conversation courses, and she's a certified EMDR practitioner. So welcome to our podcast, Deborah. We're glad to have you here. Thank you, Laura. I'm delighted to be here. Excited to talk about all this good stuff. (laughs) I know. I just love to meet with other communications professionals because everybody's got his or her own approach, his or her own tips and tools. And it's just so cool to hear the different paths. So tell me, you know, how did you get in this racket anyway? Okay, great way to start, Laura. I am a social worker and I have a unique combination of clinical skills where I have trauma training, I have direct experience, I have done hundreds of hours consulting with businesses as well. So I have a lot of direct experience and all of that for decades. So I have this method of understanding how to communicate in a very practical, logical way, and also how to resolve conflicts. And my communication model, the relationship protocol, teaches you how to have healthier relationships. Everything I teach is applicable to personal relationships and business relationships. It's, you know, communication is communication as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's true. I just stick to the professional. Like I would never be a social worker. I just not imagine, you know, listening to all those problems that people get themselves into. But I have to admit that's a pretty darn good background to uh, become a communication or conversation expert because you've seen the consequences of really bad communication. So interesting. And how has your work as a social worker informed your communication development. That's so interesting. It's completely informed how I've moved through my career. Well, first of all, I worked in a lot of nonprofits in the early years. And so that showed me that communication informs our relationships, the quality of our lives, how we relate to the people around us, how we feel in our relationships. And then years into my private practice, someone referred a couple to me. I'd never worked with a couple. It's kind of a funny story. I'll make it brief. But he made the referral with an apology. He said, you'll be the third therapist they're meeting with. And the gentleman is very intimidating. The wife is kind of meek, but she's doing a lot of mean things you know, behind the scenes. And he said, they're feeling very hopeless and they've been that way for a long time. But I feel badly because I just haven't referred anybody to you in a long time. And I'm okay, thank you. <laughs> so that's how it started. But the beauty of that one session is it changed how I work because I had no idea what I was going to do with them. And what I did was I focused on the present day. I wasn't interested in how long they've been unhappy or even why they were unhappy. What struck me was how they both felt, how they felt while they were sitting in my office. And that's what I responded to. What does it feel like to be in this relationship? And what I also knew was that they both wanted a better relationship. 
And what I learned from that experience is if you want change and you're willing to do the work for it, and you're capable of it, certainly, but also if you're willing to be a little humble and recognize that in so doing, particularly if a relationship is difficult, you have to be willing to own your part and say to your partner, which I got them to say, gee, I didn't know you see me as this mean person. I don't want you to see me that way. When I had them talk to each other that way, and it wasn't crafted or fancy, it was very real of how people were feeling in that moment and not wanting to intentionally hurt them. They just didn't know how else to behave. And so it ended up when I realized 20 years later, doing the work, that one session truly informed how I look at relationships. I'm very present day focused. I want to inject hope quickly. I want to give you skills and tools and practical things that you can use right away. That's why I never thought I would be a good therapist because I'm so practical, but it just gets got people moving. And I also thought that everybody did what I was doing. So I was just working in my office, working with businesses. I became the person that lawyers would call and they would say, these two business partners want to dissolve their business. And I can't get them in the same room. And yet there's a company, there's a staff, there's many employees waiting to see what's going to happen. And after meeting with them one time, I don't resolve the problem that time, but I get them to talk to each other. And it's the same thing with divorce because it's the same concepts of getting people to the table and teaching them. And in, in essence, very similar to what I did in that first session when I had no clue what I was doing, lended itself to understanding what are the key elements that you need to have a healthy relationship. And then in my model, I also teach the how-tos to actually have the conversations. Wow. That's so interesting because a lot of moving up into leadership, because most of my work is, I mean, it's all in business and it's, you know, high performers who are headed to their C-suite or almost there. And so much, as you know, that senior leadership, you have to be successful. You have to be so much more aware of how people feel around you, managing those perceptions, and yet being truthful, being authentic, and getting the job done. So it's a lot to manage there. So what would you say to somebody who is, like a, a lot of times people come to me and they say that, oh, I just feel like, you know, I'm not getting enough visibility or that people are, I'm not getting seen enough and they, they need to develop better relationships, right? What would you say in that situation? Well, I would ask them to try to be self-reflective and look at how they show up. Are they holding themselves in a confident way? Do they carry themselves in a way that is welcoming, friendly, and open? Are they interested in what other people have to say? I, I have an article that I wrote, which I think you were interested in, how to get someone to like you in under five minutes. And it's all about that, that it's about likability. People connect with people who are friendly, who are interested in them. If you think about going on a first date, how we behave on a first date is often different than how we behave you know, in yes. future connections. But on that date, if you're interested in the person, you want to know all about them and you lean in and you ask questions and you're curious and there's an enthusiasm that comes with the curiosity rather than waiting for people to lean in toward you, particularly if you're not feeling heard, I think it's important to take that step back and zoom out and look at yourself and see, is there an area where I can lean in a little bit more, be a little bit more friendly? Can I volunteer to do something that will have impact and show people what I'm capable of? 
even if it means going to the manager or the owner, whomever the next person Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. above you and saying, hey, there's so much more I can bring. Help me figure out what can I do to enhance my position, enhance the company. Right. I have sometimes when people learn to with me, and I'm sure with you too, like certain things, you don't say them more than once. But one of the things is, oh, that I, I'm so mad that they didn't pick me for this and they didn't pick me for that. And I'm right. like, well, did you raise your hand exactly. when the last time you volunteered? But I think a lot of bad habits happen to high performers. And this was myself, definitely. We're a very good student. So, but used to the teacher telling you what to do, when to turn it in, how we want it. You do all that, you get your A, and then that's not enough. (laughs) That's not getting you the promotion. That's not building your visibility. That's just kind of table stakes. So realizing you have to just really be proactive, which some people are finding that harder to do in the virtual work from home environment. Tell me about your experience. I think that's a topic that's going on all over the world, you know, how this has changed work. I think that the remote workforce has changed how leaders need to lead Mm -hmm. and how communication styles need to shift where in my experience, and I, I interviewed 15 CEOs from all different Oh, sides wow. Tell us. Spill yeah. the tea. Yeah. And they had a bunch of different things to say. The gist of it was that the communication needs to change in that people need to know that they matter, that mm-hmm. you're interested in them. So that translates to not simply saying, how are you doing today? It's, are you facing any challenges that we need to be knowing about? Is there something you want to talk to me about that I didn't ask you? If the person who's asking the questions, who's reaching out, is interested, truly interested, you're going to learn more. I know so many stories of people that were working from home that were very unhappy, that were getting anxious or depressed or struggling for whatever the reason was, distractions, understandable, at home, Mm -hmm. and they didn't feel comfortable expressing themselves because they didn't feel it would be heard or they didn't know how to say it. I teach them how to say it. I can't guarantee you it'll be heard, but I can teach you how to have the conversation that you want to have. So I think that breakdown is important that the person in the higher position or the person who is in charge of the team lets the team know that they are interested in getting the feedback. So that's one thing. I I think another thing is being structured in how you communicate, knowing that there is some structure in the week in the day so that everybody knows that there's uninterrupted time and you know an opportunity to make sure the work can get done and everybody knows this is when we're meeting or this is your meeting one on one and then the last thing i would say that was i loved this part the talk around the water cooler or mm-hmm. the birthday cake in the I want to say the lobby, but not in the lobby, you know, in the lunchroom. Right. They're not having that or drinks after work. So a lot of that wasn't taking place. So creating time to still connect Mm -hmm. is very important. How can you have either a little bit of social time together, Mm -hmm. even if it's offline or, I'm sorry, maybe offline if possible, meeting, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if people are able to do that. Maybe now they are a little bit more. But online, what can you do to connect to to have something a little bit more fun, light? People had cooking contests, right? mixers so, and fun things. That's right. So many things. And yet there were some people really liked those things and some people just did not no. want to be online anymore <laughs> after work. So that's right. It's interesting how that fault line kind of 
became apparent. So, Deborah, I want to ask you a question that I have to think about it because usually I'm, I bet you are too, you know, to solve specific problems, you know, the couple that can't talk, the partners who are want to kill each other. And but then some <laughs> people will come and, and say, okay, I, I'm good. I just want to become a better communicator. Mm-hmm. What, what is your approach to that question? Well, I teach people how to communicate. So it's finding out where do they feel they lack and mm-hmm. the relationship protocol model is a great place to start. Oh, tell us about that. So the relationship protocol is my communication model and it evolved out of my work mm-hmm. for these many years. And as I said, I thought everyone was doing what I was doing mm-hmm. in their offices because this was such a natural approach. And sometimes I still don't know what clinicians and people that are relationship experts are doing if they're not teaching people how to communicate. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that's the bottom line. How do you have a healthier relationship? What do you need to have that relationship? And how do you initiate a conversation? What do you do if a conflict arises? Mm-hmm. And how do you approach a challenging situation? So all of that is embodied in the relationship protocol in the book, in the model. You can mm-hmm. learn about it on my website, and I'm happy to break it down for you if you want. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Bring it on, share. So in order to have a healthy relationship, you have to have the two key elements. And these key elements exist in every healthy relationship naturally. When there's a problem in the relationship, you can teach people the two key elements or they can bring them back into their relationship if they did exist at one time. And the first is commitment. And this applies, again, everything I say applies to a personal, any type of person. It could be Mm -hmm. friendship. It's not just a, a marriage. And the commitment is how you show up with both feet in, that the person knows you are there 100%. It's a felt sense as much as it is an experience of what they experience of having this interaction with you. In the business sense, it's do you show up? Do your words match your actions? Are you completing tasks on time? Are you behaving in a way that the company knows you're in it, you're part of the team type of a thing? And in personal life, it's the same thing. If I'm doing small things and you're feeling insecure in our relationship, that might mean that you're not experiencing my commitment or I'm not making you feel good about yourself. That's a piece of it too. So commitment is the first key element. It's mandatory. The second key element I call shift your thinking. We go from oftentimes in relationships when they're not going well, we turn away. And what I define as being turned away is metaphorically, we kind of turn our back to the other person. We are upset with them. So we notice what's missing, what's wrong, where they stink, or we're oblivious because we're busy with other things. Either way, the person on the receiving end of that, metaphorically, again, kind of sees our back. That's what they feel. So they feel a disconnect from us. And that gives us permission to behave in ways that are not always so nice. Because I'm not looking at you. I'm not really noticing you. I'm not paying attention to you. And how you feel isn't that important to me. So what I always recommend is you have to go from turned away, which we all do sometimes, hopefully for a short period of time. We all do it. Everybody Mm -hmm, does it. But it's a matter of realizing you're doing it. And if you're in a good relationship, usually it's like, oh, yeah, whatever. I know he didn't mean it. Or I know, Mm -hmm. you know, I can live with that, whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. so the recommendation is to turn towards. Mm -hmm. And when we turn towards, we're noticing the person. We're connecting with the person. So you have to turn towards them in order to care and understand what their experience is in the relationship in any relationship, again, at work, at home. So commitment, key element number one, and turning towards is key element number two. And when you have those, you have 
naturally a healthy interaction, a healthy relationship. When you don't, there's a limit to how strong the relationship will be, how far it can go, that type of a thing, and how it's much easier to resolve conflicts when you have those two key elements. Right. Because that commitment, number one, and number two, just facing the person, you're creating safe space in a way. That's right. Because otherwise, if you don't feel even that what you're going to say makes a difference, then why bother, right? So Exactly. That's really getting the foundation down. Yeah. And then the four steps are, the first step teaches you how to start a conversation, how to initiate a conversation. The second step is about kindness and how being kind creates a safety net. The third step is how to own your part so that you can resolve a conflict. And the fourth part sums it all up with the benefit of the doubt and how to have the best outcome and how to move on from a conflict by giving the other person the benefit of the doubts. So it's it all works together, though, to give you a perspective for how to have a healthier relationship, mm-hmm. how to have better interactions, and how to really resolve a conflict, even conflicts that have been going on forever, if one person chooses to not interact or to interact differently, the entire trajectory of a relationship can change. Absolutely. But in some cases, you know, at work, we'll just focus on that right now. You know, there's always these difficult people who are very talented. The company keeps on for some reason. Like, will (laughs) this work in that situation? Yes, because look, we can only control ourselves. Right. So how I show up to an interaction, how I approach you and how I respond to you, I control. I can't control if you're a difficult person and you're not interested in getting along with me. Then we have a whole different conversation. But I often tell a story of a CEO that I know who had a COO who was, for whatever reason, a very challenging person. He would get Mm -hmm. very defensive and a lot of the employees didn't like him and they kept complaining about him. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't doing anything to address it or get rid of him. And it was primarily because he didn't know how to. He didn't know how to approach this difficult man because he thought he was going to get defensive. And so he didn't which is a common situation where people avoid. I just want to say, so you think the obstacle is not knowing how versus courage. I think it takes a little gumption. You know, I think you have to kind of take that deep breath. Absolutely. I don't begin to present that this is easy, but it is worth it for Mm -hmm. your own self-esteem, to get your needs met, to express what you need to express. And in that case, you had a CEO whose reputation was now on the line because his employees don't feel cared for. Right. And they don't see him as an effective leader. Of course, I'm thinking like, well, how did he get to be CEO? That's a question that's asked many many times. So Yeah. I just heard of a recent story of a board of directors of a big company, Mm -hmm. big company, that a product that they've developed didn't quite work out and they haven't figured out how to tell their shareholders. So they haven't said anything. And they're now going in a different direction with this product and they still haven't said anything. Now, I mean, there's legal implications there as well, but, but when I confronted the situation, I said, why does it feel like the only reason you're not having the conversations? It's because you don't know how to have the challenging conversation. And they all said, yes. Right. These are very successful business people. Right. So people get stumped. Yes, they do. And it's I scary. It is. I think it's helpful because I talk a lot to people who are just promoted or just about to be promoted, which is always a great opportunity to kind of start from ground zero with a new team, or maybe they're starting in a new yeah. job. 
But what is your take on like setting rules of engagement? Like you have a new team, you're the new boss and you say, you know, how can you tell people, ensure that they feel safe speaking up to you, the boss, like, hey, Laura, the way you're doing this is not the best way. And, you know, the managing those expectations, do you have a tool for that or an approach, something like that? I think the main thing is to get to know each person on the team mm-hmm. in addition to, you know, a team, not morale, but conversation as a group. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to feel heard. Everybody needs to be able to state what's on their mind, even if it's going to, people are going to disagree with them, right. that they're still, that everybody will be respectful. So I think there are general rules of mm-hmm. protocol that should be met for respect and thoughtfulness and everybody having a voice. But mm-hmm. I also think as a team leader, whenever doable, to be able to meet with everybody individually and find out what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, if they have any concerns, and to say, I want to know what's going on mm-hmm. with you. Right. If there is a problem and you don't tell me, I don't know, I'm not a mind reader, but I promise I'd rather you told me than I found out. You know, it's like a parent. Right. I'd rather you tell me than I found out on my own. I think those exactly. are general rules. I don't think you need much more than that. What do you think? Do you agree no, with that? I totally agree. And I like that, you know, to think when you're a new leader of a team, you're in such a good position because you can ask questions. But a lot of times the person feels afraid of showing that they don't really know because they don't know because they're new. But by setting your priority, like the first thing I'm going to do is talk to everybody and ask all these questions and then you'll get an informed opinion about what's going on. I think that's very true. And what people don't understand as you move up in leadership, that sometimes even you and I, people can be afraid to tell us things just because they don't know us very well. And yet we we were like, who's sweet little me? How can anybody (laughs) be afraid? But in the work context, when you're like always going at it. So I, I think it's important to, you know, when you've been in a position a while to, you know, have those skip meetings or somehow always be, you know, communicating that, Flag me, let me know. I want to know. Even if I get crazy for a minute, I still want to know. Absolutely. That connection, that connectedness, there's a bottom line to the work that I do. And Mm -hmm. I say the more important the relationship is to you, the more important it is that you demonstrate an understanding of the other person's experience. So that means Uh... I want to connect with you. If you tell me something isn't going well, I want to understand that rather than put you down for it or harm you in some way. But I want to connect. And and again, that applies across the board. If that's what creates connectedness. Would you say that again? I'm taking sure. Demonstrating the understanding of the other person's expertise. Experience. Experience. It's the more important the relationship is to you. Mm-hmm. the more important it is to demonstrate that you understand, that you have an understanding of the other person's experience. Yeah, that is so true because, well, my definition of healthy culture, because just to bring in yeah. culture while we're at it, is a place where everybody feels heard, understood, and valued, which is not to say that we all agree, right? That's, That's right. Not, we don't want groupthink. Same. But how does that happen? It happens through communication. That's right. And listening, just listening and validating. It's there's nothing that I teach, I think, that's even a four-syllable word. There's <laughs> you know, it's not fancy, it's very practical. So we're right. teaching people how to listen and how to respond. And even to show how far the, the world has come, I now have a regular column on ink 
because they are more interested in what's going on in communication and getting this into businesses. So it's exciting to see. I really think that for the way that you work and the way that I work, I think the pandemic in some ways opened people's eyes if, if oh, 100%. Anything, to realizing the value of relationships and the value of connecting. And I mean, that's why through the pandemic is when I started, I took a consumer course and I turned it into a, a course for businesses because they need this. Right. They do. And, and it's an opportunity for high performers who want to move up to, to really stand out by polishing, yes. especially with the the remote, and then we're merging into the hybrid, and some people don't want to go to back to work, some people do, and how to manage all that. But that communication piece is just... It's across the board. Exactly. And it's always been there, but like you said, now people are actually seeing it, which is great. But I can't let you go without... Uh-oh telling me what are your tips for listening? Because my thing about listening is that it's super hard. And it's harder to listen to some people than to others. I want to know, one, what is your overall listening advice? And what do you do when you have somebody who just takes 200 words when you only needed 10? So I think the best listening advice is to, number one, not be distracted. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what I teach is about mindset. So you have to have the mindset that I want to understand what you're saying. If I come into this conversation and I'm curious and interested and I'm thinking to myself, I really want to understand what this person's saying. Can I tell you a quick story where I actually applied this? Yes. Okay. Okay. Here I am in graduate school and love graduate school, but it was tough. And I had a professor who I didn't like him. Mm -hmm. He was difficult to listen to. He wrote the book. I didn't understand anything he was saying. And I didn't really think I cared. Like I just (laughs) didn't have a great attitude. And I realized in this program, I had to get an A or a B and I was heading for a C and it was trouble. And I had a conversation with my father at the time and I said, I don't know what to do. And he said, you have no choice. You have to like want to get what this guy is saying. And Mm -hmm. something about that clicked. And the next time I went in the classroom and I changed how I looked at this man. I knew I had to for the sake of my for your benefit, not my for benefit. That's right. right. I needed to understand him. And mm-hmm. that's how you actively listen. I went into that room and I looked at him and I, instead of thinking, oh, he's so boring. You know, like I looked at this man and I thought, I really want to absorb the information that he's sharing because how he is, whatever he's saying is important to me. And everything changed in that moment. And I do think that wanting to understand what someone is communicating to you and paying attention is important. And respectfully, I don't love the mirroring exact thing. I think it's a little much for me. But mm-hmm. but in general, letting them know you heard them, checking in, did I get it right? There's nothing wrong with doing that. Mm-hmm. And saying, I, I don't necessarily agree with you, but I appreciate you sharing that. So I see where you're coming from. I can see where you would think that. So Got it. Thanks for sharing. And then the 200 words instead of 20. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Is the question, how do you cut someone off who's going on? Or how do you listen when it's going too long? Well, I mean, it's the way I see it. Mostly I work with introverts who need to speak up more. Okay. But occasionally I speak with, I mean, not occasionally, but maybe 25% of my clients are verbal processors and they have a really hard time getting to the point. Got it. But also there's just people that don't have as much formation and communication and it just takes them forever to get to the point. And, and if I'm his or her boss, I will for sure work 
with that person, we need to get to the point because right now, 2021, everybody's under more time pressure. Everybody's overworked, overwhelmed, overzoomed. Like we need you to get to the point. So do you interrupt them or do you ask questions or do you say from the beginning, like, Hey, I need you to, you know, really sum it up for me. Like what, I just want to know what, what is your approach? A little bit of everything you just said. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with saying we don't have a lot of time. So if you can hit the takeaways, that -hmm. would be super important. But I think you can also, if it's hard to do on Zoom, it's definitely harder to do on Zoom because if I'm physically in the same space with you, I can lean in and gently sort of, you know, kind of place my hand out a little bit to try to get your attention. So you say something positive. I really want to hear what you're saying, but I think we might run out of time or you know, I, I appreciate your position on this, but I was, I'm curious to know what you think about X because that's more important to the project that we're attending to right now. Mm-hmm. So you lean into what they're saying. On Zoom, it is harder to get someone's attention. As you know, when two people are talking at the same time, it's, it's just not the same experience as in person. It is. It is yeah. harder. And, and I'll, I'll say one other thing. To the person who is loquacious and Mm -hmm. can't really get to the point, if they know they're having an important conversation, they should prepare ahead of time. One of the things I actually teach is I have a preparation template where Mm -hmm. they can sit down even on their own. It takes Mm -hmm. two seconds. What are the takeaways that Mm -hmm. I want the Mm -hmm. other person to have? Mm -hmm. What are the, the main points? And another thing that most people don't think of is how do I want the other person to feel during the conversation? Mm-hmm. Right. I have a, a similar tool, the feel no do, but I love thinking about it in terms of takeaways as far yeah. as helping verbal processors, because no matter what your style, if you're talking to the C-suite, like they're all like ADD monkeys. Yeah. Get to the point. <laughs> they don't have time. They just, they don't have, it's not even, it's not only time. It's they don't have the mental energy This is not going to show up on the podcast, but I'll show you, everybody. I have a little small silver spoon, and I use this as an aid to help people. I tell them that TMI is the number one problem or a big problem, especially with presentations, and that our capacity to take in information is reduced. That's right. And that is another thing I think is characteristic of this year, because even before the work from home, I did research on how the internet usage had affected our attention spans and communication style. And, you know, even way back in 2018, people want the instant answer. They want the Google, you know, I want the, the Googleable answer and I'm dopamine addicted because I'm getting <laughs> those hits all the time, all those likes and you know, lots of things flashing going on on the screen all the time. So it's not, it was just like a lot of things exacerbated by COVID, but it was that low attention span was already trending. Absolutely. Right. And I think, you know, for your clients, Mm -hmm. another great thing to say to them is exactly what you just said. Think of who your audience is. It's not just about me and me wanting to express for a really long time about <laughs> what I want to say. Right. Well, that's the whole thing with good communication, right? That's that, right. I'm I'm noticing the other person. And in this, in what you're saying is that these people are most often communicating with someone who isn't going to retain it all. So what do you want them to retain? Try to get to the point quicker. A lot of what I talk about is for the sake of the relationship, for the sake of the job, mm-hmm. for the sake of them absorbing the information, mm-hmm. think differently. Mm -hmm. Don't just be in your own head. 
focus on what is the other person, what's most important for them, and what do I need them to leave with, not thinking, oh, boy, boy, she just said so much, and I don't know what she just said. Right. And what people do is they just check out. and That's right. And they may look like they're paying attention, but... <laughs> and that's great incentive mm-hmm. to, to say to the people that you're training. Right. Think right. about how would it feel if they left and they didn't retain any of it because you couldn't get to the point. Exactly. I found it so curious. I have this communication style analysis. There's four basic orientations. It's similar to DISC. You're either oriented to people, action, ideas, and process. And so in an exercise, you put people in the, you know, that have the same or similar styles together. And you say, how do you want people to communicate to you? And they all say the same thing. I want people to get to the point. <laughs> Does it, you know, I, th- I found that, you know, that even though you have different ways of taking in the information and focusing, we all want people to let us know why it's relevant. One of my tips is to say this is important because I'm sure you mm. have some, you know, version of that. Why are you talking? Why am I talking? Wait, <laughs> you know, that getting to the, to the purpose. So, we're getting to the end of our time, but I, I want to talk about one more topic before we go, and that's mindset. And I want to know your thinking on mindset. What are your recommendations? And if you've noticed any change around mindset with the new work realities. I think that I have my own belief in, in terms of how I approach my work. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of like it. And I think that it's helpful to share that. When it comes to business, I try to look at how can I serve on a deeper level. Good. So that's your like before you go to that meeting or have that phone call, you're like, how can I serve at a deeper level? It's about being open to opportunities, being open to the abundance of whatever is out there. Mm -hmm. But it's also how can I serve? I think when you approach, and it could be my social work background, Mm -hmm. but I do believe when we approach with an intent to bring value to a Mm -hmm. person, to a situation, to an interaction, that the rest will happen because we're approaching with a concept of caring about the other person, Mm -hmm. the environment we are about to enter. And if you know your stuff Mm -hmm. of whatever it is that you'll be talking to them about, then you are there to serve. If you look at it from, I have to get the sale, or I need them to like me, or wherever the insecurities come into play or the lack of confidence comes into play, you know, it's it's tentacles are going to enter. But if you sit up straight, and I also do a gratitude exercise so that I'm very grateful at the very basic level for being alive and being healthy and being able to do the work that mm-hmm. I do. And that get puts a little bounce in my step. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to serve mm-hmm. and serve at a deeper level and not look at it as I'm selling something or I'm trying to push my agenda on anyone mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's certainly not what I want to do. And so with that, have the ability to receive and opportunity and abundance. That's my mindset Good. That that sounds, I love that adding value to a deeper level. I had thought about it at a higher level, meaning thinking that in an organization that I like better the deeper level because it's deeply rooted inside the person, inside the psyche. This has been so interesting. I'm so delighted to have a former social worker. I just think coming from that path shows such compassion that I don't have. (laughs) 
I'm not like that, I, but I'm glad that there are other people that do. <laughs> so my greatest accomplishment to the world is I raised three kids that none of them have gone to jail. So, I mean, nice. you know, that's something. That is something. Uh, <laughs> I want you to let people know, you know, how they can get a hold of you. And just if you want to leave, you know, any last like word of wisdom or something that we didn't cover that you would like to share, you know, it's all for you, the platform. Oh, thank you. So word of wisdom, and then I'll tell you how to get in touch with me. Something that I teach a lot is I recommend that everybody try my 24-hour benefit of the doubt challenge. That is for the next 24 hours during every interaction or every important interaction, give the other person the benefit of the doubt. And that's the mindset I want you to approach it with, that they also want to have a good outcome or that they're doing the best they can, that they also care about you, whatever it is that you're putting forth, that they also want something similar. And just notice what happens when you do that. Oh my gosh, I am totally, although I'm thinking, (laughs) does that include my husband? Because Well, it's supposed to. So, and then how to reach me. I'm on LinkedIn, Deborah, D-E-B-R-A Roberts. My website is the Relationship Protocol. There's a great download there. There are two actually free downloads on my website. One is about building trust using benefit of the doubt for organizations. And another is, it's called Tell Me What to Say. And it addresses the three areas that people tend to avoid conversations, why they tend to avoid and how to overcome them, how to actually have the conversations that people are not having because they're afraid that they're going to hurt someone's feelings, it's not going to go well, or they don't know how to start it. So it's a really nice action guide. And I also have a regular column on Inc. that people can check out. All right. And I also have the communication protocol online course. It's only 10 weeks for organizations, companies, teams, and for individuals. And you can learn more about it on my website. So the the communication class is called the communication protocol. Correct. And it can be for teams or individuals or. I have it for personal use and for business. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. I have whole page of notes and thank you. Thank you for your time and expertise and If you ever come to Charleston, let's go out for a drink, a cocktail. All right. I would love that. Thank you so much. This was so great. Have a good day. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. 